this is where you come to hear tales of loss, redemption, salvation, perspectives, epiphanies, and self-evolution. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the glory in our stories. stories i thought i would go ahead and start speaking on this because i was initially supposed to uh, partner with a friend of mine on this episode um but i think maybe something came up but i'm still going to wait and see if he's available if so i'll just chime him in um when he's ready if not we'll just keep going but i just wanted to start off with an article from I'm not going to read the entire article just the uh, the headline an article from the Associated Press now I get my my updated news from this app called Newsbreak um, you can look it up it should be available not just on Apple but on Android so every time something comes up it pops right up this is how I found out about uh, Chadwick Boseman. Um, again, I was my my wife was uh, opening her Christmas. I'm sorry, her birthday present last year um, when we heard the news about Chadwick Boseman, which was in August. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I will go ahead and read um, this. Um, the head of this art this article um, the first line the head the headline says Georgia woman among those who died in siege of US Capitol go ahead and start reading um, Kennesaw Georgia Associated Press a 34 year old Georgia woman was among the four people who died during the insurrection at the US Capitol police in Washington said Thursday Roseanne Boylan of Kennesaw, Georgia, died of a medical emergency during Wednesday's violent protest. District of Columbia Police Chief Robert Conti III said, I think that's right, how you pronounce that last name. Uh, officials did not immediately release additional details about Boylan's cause of death. Um, you scroll down a little bit more. A California woman was fatally shot inside the Capitol during Wednesday's siege. Police say Ashley Babbitt, 35, was part of a crowd that was breaking down the doors to a barricaded room where armed officers stood on the other side. Go down. Two other people also died from a medical emergency during the riot, including a 55-year-old Alabama man. This is the effect of um of this 
man, this bombardment of the Capitol on Wednesday. Because to me, it was just a normal day. Didn't know, you know, just, well, this is my wife. And I guess I'll go ahead and put this on here um, as a just for information. My wife and I had been quarantining for the last two weeks. We took a trip to California. We were fine. We got tested before we left. It was that weekend right before the 21st, I think. Yeah, got tested. Um, we left that Monday. Had an awesome time. Came back. Tested again. Tested positive for COVID. So we were worried about that primarily because my wife is type 1 diabetic and she's in the high risk category so if anything I was more concerned about her so for the past two weeks we've been quarantined and just you know up in, the, up in each other's faces <laughs> trying not to get bored um, last yesterday was our official last day of quarantine so we are officially out um, asymptomatic nothing really drastic um, I might have been a little tired, but didn't really have a cough, didn't have a fever. Last time I checked my temperature, it was like 96.9 or something. So we were fine. Um, but that did happen. And uh, so anyway, we, we were on quarantine when Wednesday hit. We're sitting here and we're bored. And then all of a sudden... We checked the uh, the news feed, and I was like, "They um, apparently they're storming the Capitol." I'm like, "Really? Yeah." So we uh, cast the our phones, one of our phone devices, to the television, and um, we had to make sure that we were able. I'm sorry, I'm kind of slightly distracted. <laughs> I just heard a noise. Um, we were we had to make sure that um, this this was legit and it was so um, we were just in awe that not only did it happen but it just happened to the point where the police and everyone came later um It seemed like there was no structure. There was no penalty penalties. There was no resistance. It just they went straight in. And we we were not surprised by who was doing this. But we were surprised that this was actually happening where it was I understand if it was a street downtown or even someplace you know in Los Angeles or somewhere but at the Capitol no that was that literally blew our minds so we're just watching this and just watching all of this unravel and we're just taking it in and of course we're getting text messages from family members and talking amongst friends and group text and it was just a lot but 
in my lifetime, I've probably seen a lot of this in the last 10 years. Um, I've seen more of this in the last 10 years than I have seen in my entire life. And I know a lot of people that came before us, like our parents, our aunts and uncles. They they're this is this isn't new to, to them. They've probably actually seen worse. Um, but to get to the point where. People could act, people, people view themselves as being privileged enough. To just storm the Capitol. Um, wow. But like many people are saying, this isn't anything new. If anything, this reveals the core of our country. I was just talking to my wife about how they're talking about making America great again. And if you go back to history, um, if you go back in history, there was a time where people were being lynched simply for being black. There was a time where Emmett Till was killed um, because he allegedly whistled or at a woman or even touched her. And like 70, 60, 70 years later, the woman who was the victim but on her dying bed admitted that he didn't do any of those things. So we, when we see those red hats that say make America great again, we do have to ask that question, which part in history that includes a time where things were great? Because from what we experience, POCs, people of color, what we experience is something completely different we don't see we can't see it that way especially when things appear to have gotten worse after slavery and the reason why i say that is because when you we were enslaved it was it was it was expected for us to be oppressed it was expected for us to work for nothing it was it was expected of us to be degraded it was expected of us to be three-fifths human but when we were freed we were still being devalued. We were still being disregarded. So at what point were things were what point were things great? And these people who've stormed the Capitol still believe that we should make America great again. And I guess my concern is is this how you plan on doing that by getting upset because you can't have your way and I'm pretty certain that the just of what they're saying is this isn't fair and it isn't it isn't fair I totally agree it is not fair but funny how someone uses that word fairness because it's been a lot of the opposite happening um, for a very long time. The example that I used yesterday um, in comparison was uh, the incident that happened to Rodney King back in 1991. You know, of course, 
the story about Rodney King getting pulled over by policemen and brutally, brutally beaten by at least six or seven of them. They went to court. Nobody, uh, everybody was acquitted. Then the riots, the famous L.A. riots happened where a lot of people were killed and injured. And a lot of uh, downtown Los Angeles uh, was literally burned and destroyed. They did a retrial. I think a couple of the officers ended up not only going to prison, but I think some had resigned and some were terminated. So. But the messed up thing about that was the system was constructed in a way where they were like, you know what? Somebody got to go to jail. I mean, it's too much uproar. Somebody got to go to jail. It wasn't a decision made upon their own merit. They did it because they felt compelled by what happened, by the reaction. Now, a lot of people will say that, yes, they there were rioters back in the early 90s. They were rioting. Then again, there were some protests. But the reason behind that was a man was brutally beaten. A life was nearly taken by inches from this man who was just driving and he complied with the uh, instructions to get pull over and get out of his car but he didn't ask to be beat so anyway aside from all that after all that happened Rodney King's response was can't we all just get along and we're like bro like that's all you can say now, we can't get upset with him because, you know, that's how he felt at the moment. Maybe um, somebody in PR told him, hey, this is what you need to say. And it's probably what he didn't want to want to express in the heat of the moment. But that's what he said. And I'm judging by his response. I, I, I can tell that it just seemed like he didn't want any trouble. So his response was, how can we all just get along? And this was after he was beaten and um, he had went through trials um, in order to get, in order to receive, um, to receive retribution, I guess. So what he did was, I just got my response from, uh, Aaron. He's probably heard that uh, my, uh, my friend uh, James Aaron Snow uh, you probably heard the chime. Um, but yeah, man, like it was, it was crazy. So I'm just going to uh, um, let this be part two. I mean, I'm sorry, part one. I'm not going to make this too long. This first part too long. Um, but I just thought that it was, it was uh, mandatory. Um, just to just go ahead and start recording. Um, as soon as possible. Um, this was, um, yeah, this was, this was, this was pretty intense, pretty intense. So, um, but anyway, going back to Rodney King, um, out of everything that happened, that's what Rodney King had to say was, can we all just get along now? Fast forward to 2021, um, uh, thousands of Republicans stormed the Capitol they do all kinds of stuff from breaking windows, shooting guns, um, vandalizing offices. 
Um, from my understanding, people were smearing their own feces on like the walls and whatnot. But they were. It was it was gross. They did all of that only to. Um, only to end up being escorted out of the capital. And one of the women um, that were there was complaining about getting kicked out and being pepper sprayed. Now, after everything that th that she and others did, her response was, "They kicked me. They kicked us out. This is a revolution, and we're trying. Basically, we're trying to make sure that justice is served." And that's not what she said verbatim, but. Yeah, that's basically what she, that was her response to that. She was complaining that she got pepper sprayed and kicked out of the Capitol. Um, that's like me walking into a police station and just shooting bullets in the ceiling and getting upset when they arrest me. That's just something you don't do in a police station, let alone anywhere. Um, but that's what the, that's what blew my mind concerning that. Um, yeah, and it just, it was, it was, that was a crazy thing to witness. And everyone obviously came in, even uh, the president elect spoke on this. Uh, Stephen Colbert spoke on this. Everyone spoke on this issue. And because of this, there's still repercussions, you know, surfacing after the fact that happened on Wednesday. As of today, one thing that came out of all of this is that and it probably isn't a big deal, but it, it actually is it's something that should have been done. Um, President Trump has been permanently removed from all major social media platforms. Um, yeah. You can listen to what he says and like he didn't technically well, he didn't technically tell them not to go to the capital capital. I think he he knew what might have happened. Oh, Mike, he I think he knew what might what could might happen, but he couldn't fully predict the outcome. But in a way, he did give them permission. And the way that he responded to this incident is not the way he responded to what happened last summer during the Black Lives Matter movement. So there are sources that can support that. It is, is a vast difference. The key word was protest. These protests were protesters were not really protesters. They were rioters. When you protest, you stand somewhere and you have a sign. You don't have guns. Um, you just walk the public, a public domain. You walk the streets or you stand in front of a building. But to storm a building, break windows, vandalize property, that's rioting. It is. Not just it's not justified. Not, it's not justifiable. So, but it is rioting. Um.
but yeah yeah it's it's mind-blowing but i'm going to mention just a few things before i get off here and um things that came to mind now i'm trying to figure out what it was okay now the three words that do came to mind was it's not fair no it's not fair that's that's what their response to what's going on it is not fair but it hasn't been fair overall since as long as we can remember so that's that's a cop out i don't think that's really legit um in some cases yeah it, it isn't fair uh for the system to go against you and not operate in your favor but that's been going on since forever we uh, as a country have had to find our own avenues in order to get what we need and to be where we want to be um so yeah um the next point was from knocking to banging on the door of justice obviously the difference is when you knock you knock gently. You knock to let the person on the other side of the door know, hey, um, I would like to come in. Can I have your permission to come in? And there's obviously a huge difference between knocking and banging. When you're banging on the door, you're telling the person, hey, whatever you're doing, you're going to stop. You're going to listen to me and you're going to accept my presence. Last year. Uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement, initially with protesters, that was a knock. It was a knock on the door of the judicial system saying, hey, um, so much is going on and no one's really being held accountable. People are dying and it doesn't seem like you guys I want want to do anything about it. So we want to bring you bring this to your attention. So that is the difference between knocking and that's the difference between banging. When you knock on a door, you're basically asking permission. But when you're banging you're giving yourself permission. And that's basically what happened on Wednesday. They were banging on the door. Not only did they didn't even bang, they they busted through the door. And it's arguably uh, not true because it looks as if they were let into the door. So um, for what I understand, uh, the last time something like this happened was in the early 1800s. Um, obviously, that was before um, we were actually uh, freed, from my understanding, as slaves, um, people of color. And wow.
this 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 is the America that was great, apparently. This is what we want to go back to. There was a noose outside the Capitol. And this is what we want to revisit. This is the history that we want to repeat. They say it was great, but it wasn't great for everyone. And it wasn't just people of color. It wasn't just black people. It's people. Um, it was um, Indians. It was Asians. Um, it was pretty much if you were not of of white fair skin you were treated as an animal yet ironically people acted like animals to storm the capital and the worst of that was them having to be escorted out of the building if you really think about the word escort there is some delicacy within that there's a difference between thrown out tossed out and escorted out when you quit when you are fired from your job and you're showing some resistance they would demand um police officers or officers in the building could you please escort such and such out and um, when you are at a prom you are the, 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 the women the girls are being escorted by their dates at the capitol they were being escorted down the steps pretty much saying I, I listen the I understand, but you know you can't be here. I'm sorry. Um, I I can walk you down, but we we have to remove you. We we can't allow you to stay here. We we just can't. Um, we we can't do it. We can't do it. So, um, if you have the you know I, I do, again I do apologize, but you have to leave. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna arrest you. I'm not gonna shoot you. I'm just gonna. Take your hand, guide you down these steps, so you know. Make sure you don't fall. It's are you okay? Because it looks like you have poop on your hand. Did you, you want to wipe to get that off? Are you okay? Did you have to use the bathroom? I mean, we have bathrooms in there. You want to want me to take you back in there so you can use the bathroom before I let you? Like that's basically what happened. But here we are talking about a time that was. We're trying to get back to a time that was great and things are just getting worse. And, um, you know, it's getting a little helpless, a little hopeless. So to the point where we feel helpless. But anyway, uh, tune in for part two. Um, I'm going to be interviewing um, James Aaron Snow. Um, but um but yeah, tune in after this um, quick commercial break. Um, we'll be back with uh, James Aaron Snow.
So I thought I'd recite a poem that I wrote in relation to this episode. Uh, the title of the poem is Animal House. Animal House. Malignant rioters stormed the Capitol, armed with privileged Confederate flags and Instagram accounts, open to record their proud service for America. To emphasize their reasoning, they used excrement and urine to paint the building with the distaste for disappointment, hanging off the walls and climbing through windows. They had the metal, the mouth, to declare us monkeys. And now, back to the episode. Well, uh, welcome back. Uh, this is again, this is part two of this episode. Again, this is one full episode, um, but I finally got a hold of uh, my friend, my brother, um, James Aaron Snow. Um, so, yeah, the the essence of this conversation is, of course, the attack on the Capitol. Um, again, first of all, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you for your input. Um, if there's anybody that I wanted to interview concerning this, it would definitely be you. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate the, the invite and the chance to uh, hopefully share some knowledge and uh, maybe even bring some local awareness of to how how this affects us here in Augusta. Yeah. Um. Again, first of all, everyone's at this point has been informed of what happened this past Wednesday. Um, thousands of uh, primarily uh, Republicans stormed the Capitol um, trying to initiate change. Um, and it ended with, from what I understand, five people being killed. I think one of them was an actual officer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we didn't expect that i mean we saw it we're like okay it's gonna get calmed down but when people are killed that's a different story so but anyway uh man just so much has happened since wednesday a lot of decisions have been made of course um the president has been permanently removed from social media and i know a lot of people are saying you know that should have been done but that's neither here or there but so, uh, I guess at this point, Aaron, like what, what do you, how do you feel about all this? Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of old frustrations that this brought up. Um, of course, not just for me, uh, but you know, anyone that has been, uh, engaged in the last four years and um, realizing, understanding what Trump represents as far as a mindset, even a movement, um, especially from people of color, what this represented, uh, the hypocrisy and the lack of resistance in this uh, storming of the Capitol. 
um, the violence that was absent, but yet when Black Lives Matter and uh, our women's movements took to the took to the Capitol, you had police in riot gear, you had them in military gear, uh, you had them around the, the Lincoln Monument. Um, you had you had some very uh, racist assumptions that were portrayed by the presence of uh, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, every time this happens, and, you know, I understand for me, I, I call it a frustration. I, I can't, I can't honestly call it a wound because, because it doesn't cut and it doesn't hurt um, me as a white man nearly as much as, you know, my fellow brothers and sisters in this country. Um, you know, this, this, to a very basic connect the dots, but you know, this is, this has been in the DNA of our country since we showed up on the, on the continent, you know, since we got to the shores and we brought our guns and our small pots and, you know, we were treated like deity by the indigenous people of this country. Um, and we, we took hold of that and that adultery, um, has been there ever since. And that that lying and that murderous spirit has been there ever since. And Wednesday in DC was just another example. And all of that comes back every time. It's like it's like taking the history course again, like it's like, okay, I gotta read the book again, but I already know it. So it just brings it all back up. And and I'm like, what in that moment of course my first concern were the safety of people. Um, we, as a, as an employee of a um, international team, my job, uh, I have a supervisor who lives in D.C. Um, who also is a black woman, mm. and I, I had to reach out to her and make sure she was okay. I have another friend of Indian descent who lives in the D.C. area, and that was my first concern. Yeah, and that was my first reaction. You know, I are they okay? Um, what's happening outside of the Capitol. You know, all the politicians got out. Um, Then the conversation came up about staff. Um, You know, are they okay? Custodial, cafeteria, uh, janitorial, you know, are they all right? Um, And so all of that's going in, it's just, it's overwhelming. And you try to go to sleep and you try to process what you can and say, okay, what, what, what can I do? because at the end of the day, that's what we all have to decide. What can I do with this? Uh, what's going to be my reaction besides uh, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or sending emails or calling people, whatever. Well, like, what can we do? Um, and so all of that led me, you know, it really led me back to something that, that's been on my heart and that's been in, in front of me for a number of months now, and that's, the Save the Monument Facebook group here in Augusta. Um, you know, they, if, for those that don't know, are, aren't on Facebook and can't find them. Uh, they they present themselves as historic um, heritage preserving group, and they're trying to make sure that the monument in the middle of Broad Street um, on the 600 block is preserved. Um, they, they don't want it moved. Uh, they, they don't want it destroyed. They don't want anything done with it. And that's not the case. Uh, if, if you're 
around them in person, if you read their comments to news, uh, news reporters, uh, the, the racist undertones, um, the violent undertones, and sometimes explicit violent under, uh, comments are scary. And so we got to do something about it. Um, and that, that's, what I, that's what I did with that anger. That's what I did with that frustration. And I'm like, we, we, I've got to refocus on this. I've got to, you know, bring us back to this. Um, and one, you know, if, if I could, I just, you know, I want, I want people to understand. This is because I under, every time I talk about this, there are, there are people locally, there are family members that I have that don't understand why this is such a big deal. Like mm. why, like how do we connect a monument in Augusta to uh, a storming of the Capitol in D.C.? Like what do those two have to do with anything? Yeah. Um, why should I care? Why Why does, does it bother you um, that just, just yesterday a local realty company I came across an Instagram post, and they had taken a picture of, of kind of the, the bottom half of the monument and a little bit of a scenery, and it was just, you know, at a glance, it was just a quick downtown picture promoting a blog that they posted, um, you know, go check out these businesses we're talking about. Very innocent. But front and center is the monument, and that's the problem. That, that's the problem that, that the monument carries by being downtown. Um, because unlike the Confederate flag, uh, which, you know, can, can be, you know, it can be removed from someone's hands. It can be taken down from a flagpole. Or if someone's wearing a shirt with a Confederate flag or a truck with a, a bumper sticker, it passes by. Yeah. And this, this, this monument, the, the problem with this monument is two things. One is permanence. It's there. Like, it's there and it's been there for decades. Um, you know, you, you're, talking about, you're talking about a representation of a war lost almost 56 years ago. It's not, it's not a memorial. You know, they, this group you know, proclaims this is a memorial to, to lives lost. You know, we, we, we as, as a Southerner, you know, we lost the Civil War. And it's not just a lost war, it's a lost cause. But we haven't given up. Um, for those of us that were educated in the South, we constantly heard the South will rise again. Um, we, we haven't, you know, just because it's, it's so long in our past doesn't mean we've let go. And so every time we see this monument, we're like, it's a stronghold. It's it's something permanent in the ground that's not being moved, and and there are people in this in this area in the CSI who are taking hold of that and saying, "That's right. We haven't lost yet. We we're going to win. We're going to get our rights back." That sounds familiar. They, they, they could, yeah. <laughs> and you hear you hear that that cadence and that echoing, and you see that display. You know, this past Wednesday. Yeah. And. And you're like, um, no, that that's that's not history. But but they're they're living the history that they've been taught. They're living the history that they believe, and they're living the history that for four years 
was was talk to them via social media and public speeches from the very president of the United States. Mm. Um, and so that that empowering, you know, that gas on the fire um, is everything they need. But then then we go we go back and you realize there's a, a familiarity. Like if if this monument is so unimpactful or so you know so non-predominant that a realty company can take a picture of a local realty company and mm. put it up and not think twice about it then either someone is so explicitly you know racist and for this that they they're gonna just throw it out there and see if it sticks or not or they literally had no idea um and I will say it was taken down last night. Um, you know, there were, I, I had no direct conversation, even though I emailed the company. And so it was taken down without explanation. But, like, I, I, honestly, I believe the latter. I believe that somebody just took a picture, put it up, and they didn't think about it. And that's the problem. Hmm. Like, this monument is located between the Imperial and the Miller's Theater. Pre-COVID, school buses were coming downtown bringing K-12 students for field trips to these two theaters. That means 5 to 18, 19-year-old minds were looking at this monument because of a field trip. Hmm. And what, what are we saying? What are we, what are we portraying to them when we say, hey, we're going to go somewhere to learn? Oh, and by the way, right in the middle of downtown, here, here's this monument to to a cause that may very well offend you and hurt you and your parents and your grandparents and those before them. And we just and we just let it rest. And we just let it sit there and and do nothing about it. And and we can't. And we can't. And that's that's where I'm like I I can discuss this with someone, but but as long as you hold on to the this is just a memorial the people we've lost, you know, as as the commission is talking about, as Mayor Davis is talking about, there's a consideration to move it to the Magnolia Cemetery. That's where it belongs. If it's a memorial, put it in the cemetery. Let it represent the dead. Do not have it in the in the center of our downtown. Do not expose our citizens. Do not expose our visitors to this. Um, and so it just it, it revived all that. And so I'm, that is, that is a goal for 2021 is for me, however, I can contribute to the moving or destruction of that monument, um, in a legal fashion, uh, to get it out off of Broad Street. Yeah. And the, um, the key words you just used was legal fashion. Now I know a lot of people don't have that option to say, you know, let's do this the right way. Um, especially when most people are fueled by anger and frustration and impatience. But it sounds like you have developed a strategic way of handling this and it's it's happening it's gradual it's happening gradually, but these are steps forward. And it sounds like this uh, Facebook group isn't open to people's experiences and perspectives on the thing that they're fighting for. Has, have, have, 
Has have you come across anybody who has actually said, you know what, you make a good point. I didn't see it that way. Or is everyone saying, no, this is this is our history. This is what we're fighting for. Um, it represents our ancestors who fight for the, the, the common good of America. Like, has it always been that way interacting with someone who supports this group? You know, from from my interactions, from the conversations with others who have interacted, um, when they've um, you know gathered at the monument uh, in the Facebook group, it's always been a single-sided uh, point of view. You know, it's always it's always been the, the heritage history uh, agenda, and and it's a private group for one, so. You have to get permission to get into the group, which, you know, makes one wonder, um, you know, why, if this, this is a history group, like why, why is there a closed door? Mm. Um, but many of the conversations, you know, again, the, the things that they've said, the rhetoric they've spoken when they're standing outside the monument with news cameras rolling is, you know, we're going to do what it takes to protect this monument. This is our history. It's not racist. Um, you know, comments have been made, uh, you know, that, that, that black people are just uh, more sensitive now, that they can be offended by this, um, that they fought in the Civil War alongside Southerners, and so that this represents the family members they lost. And there's a very, a very tone-deaf rhetoric that's, that's in that, that conversation. Um, and so there, there is no flexibility, there's no bending, there's no consideration for the possibility that maybe we have something to learn. Maybe we're not exactly accurate on what we're saying or how we're portraying what we're saying. It's just, this is our stance. Um, and there, and there, there have been, there have been proclamations of if we need to defend the monument um, by literally patrolling downtown, by standing outside of the monument overnight uh, with weapons, you know, these are the things that have been said, that have been posted, and that's that is that is a prelude to what we saw in D.C. You know, these conversations were happening online. These anonymous, closed group conversations that said we need to do something. Let's bring our weapons. Let's bring our people, and and let's make it happen on our own. And and so if if we and here in Augusta, I think that, that we are so far removed from what happened in D.C., um, we're fooling ourselves. You know, that, it, it's stirring. The pot is stirring, and, and if, if the right ingredients come out, like, it'll happen here. Mm-hmm. And we've, we can either do something peaceably, we can do something legally, um, or we can react to, to a violent uprising in downtown. Mm-hmm. Um keep that thought Aaron um, we're going to go ahead and take a a quick uh, commercial break uh, for those of you who are listening and uh, we'll be right back so I recently deactivated my old Facebook account for me it was no longer a virtual community but a place to be chastised for being different If anything, I welcome difference for it challenges me to be more considerate and open to different experiences. 
I also had to start asking myself the hard question, which is, are you happy? The answer was no. I wanted to fix that. I plan to pay close attention to that which is adding to my life, such as wisdom and the perspective of others. I can't go back to old social patterns. That would be redundant and digressive. If no one told you today, remember you are worth being reformed and reminded of your value. Your transformation is required before reaching that next step. My next step is focusing more on my gift. What's yours? And now, back to the episode. Um, we're back. Um, for those of you who have been listening, thank you so much. Um, as we go head towards the home stretch of this conversation, I, I I thought it was ironic how if you if you watch like those old classic movies like Mission Impossible or something, and when it gets to the point where they have to disarm a bomb, it can either go two ways. You can either cut the the green or yellow wire with like one minute left. And everyone's on the edge and the bomb stops or you cut the wire it stops that particular bomb but somewhere on the other side of the country there's a bomb still going and it's still ticking down um Aaron and I had a conversation last year um about the onset of the election and one thing we talked about was there's no telling how things are going to turn out because everyone was buying ammunition. Everyone was buying a gun. Everyone was saying, be prepared for the worst, whether somebody wins or somebody loses. And when the election came and they were tallying up all the votes and we saw that um, that Biden and Harris won, it seemed like nothing happened. It seemed like we cut the wire for one bomb and it stopped but on the other side it was still ticking and I wonder if this is either that second bomb or just one of many and I just found it so ironic that Aaron you mentioned this you like many others you predicted this and I thought that that was that was that was the only bomb that we had to defuse but as you can see, it was still ticking. What what do you see happening from do you think things will probably get better about time uh, around the time that Trump is officially out of office? Or do you see things possibly um, getting worse? Or how do you feel about between now and and uh, the end of Trump's official presidency? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll preface by saying that what happened in D.C., you know, that was um, that was what I was expecting, you know, at the end of the election in November. Yeah. Um, I thought that would be the initial reaction. And then uh, even, you know, in December, going to the Electoral College, I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe now. And so, you know, basically... What happened in D.C. was was their hell Mary. They were like, we, we've only got one shot to, like, mess this up, to, to ruin it. Um, 
if they had gotten a hold of, you know, the box containing all of those votes, and, you know, it could have really thrown this whole process off. Uh, but thankfully, they didn't have the, the insight or the plan to, to make that happen. But, you know, I, I saw this coming, but to, even to see it, you know, to, to know that something's coming, but then to see it in person is like being a meteorologist. Mm. You, know, you you know the hurricane's coming to shore. You know, based on past experiences, this is the level of destruction. But when you, you're standing, you know, on the edge of the beach and watching homes being leveled and cars flipped over and people running for their lives and water rising, it's still just as fresh and new as if it's the first time you've ever seen a hurricane. And, and that that's what that's what it felt like. And, and that's... It, 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 yeah, so it wasn't surprising. Many people said it wasn't surprising, but it's still shocking. Yeah. And and what what I fear and what I, I honestly believe with many others is is that this you know, this unfortunately is going to be it's not going to be kind of the the end all to the violence. Um, you know, it's more of just just the platform and the catalyst for the next level. Um, there are reports that there are online conversations about regathering before the inauguration. Um, and then even, you know, thereafter, after you have the rhetoric coming from Trump that says, you know, like, we, we've got things, you know, he, he tries to concede, but like every speech he's given the last few days, he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. And he's like, you know, there are greater things, you know, even after I'm out of office and this, you know, this, this un, you know, ambiguous, undefined meaning of like, you know, what does he mean? It's kind of like when he said, make America great again. You know, we, it was not for everyone that he was speaking to his loyal white supremacist followers. And that's who he's speaking to again. Mm -hmm. um, that there's something coming um, that he doesn't want to be tied to directly, but he's definitely forecasting even after he's not in office. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's going to be it's going to be a fight. And instead of where many of us took the last four years and fought peacefully, um, we protested, uh, elected you know at the two year mark elected uh, senators into office uh, that better represented us, that passed laws, that made efforts to to fight against that way. This is going to be the opposite. What we saw in this is is going to continue to grow, and that's why I say if if people are here, and they are, and they're looking at this monument and they're holding the same beliefs as the thousands, you know, who stormed D.C. and they're like, if they can do it, what can we do at the municipal hall? What can we do, um, you know, at this commission meeting? What can we do? Like, you know, 500 people in Augusta is powerful. Hmm. And they, they, they've they got almost 3,000 people in that Facebook group. Wow. You know, so 500 people isn't isn't impossible. They they could get together and, and they could do something. They could do something detrimental. And, you know, instead of, instead of five people, one being a law enforcement officer, uh, what if, what if they come into downtown and, and they bleed off of downtown and go into the East Boundary, into Bethlehem, to Laney Walker, because the neighboring 
neighborhoods, you know, outside of, you know, Old Town, um, are predominantly not white people. And so what, what happens to them? What happens in that moment when the neighborhoods within walking distance of Broad Street are infiltrated by people with assault rifles? What, what does that look like for us? Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's what I, I'm afraid could come to us, but I, I, I believe will come at least to, to bigger cities. Is there anything that... Is there anything you think that we, as citizens of Augusta, who don't support, you know, this uh, very aggressive way of change and those who do like for those of the people that do support having them not just having the monument remain erect, but having it remain on Broad Street for everyone to see for those of us who obviously don't support that, but who want to encourage the betterment of society in general, those of us who want to combat uh, this aggression, is there anything we can do as we, that you think we should do as individuals as we move forward to help those who basically can't, do, you know, fend for themselves? Um, I mean, I would... The first step would be conversations, um, whether it be you know the people that live next door to us, um, the people in these neighborhoods, uh, the people that have taken up the fight to move the monument, is reaching out and saying what you know, just showing up, saying what can I do, um, how can I support, and um, and you know and literally stand beside them, you know it's if, if it comes to it, you know, am I, I have to ask myself now, if there's a point of conflict and a group is walking down my street and my neighbors are walking towards them in confrontation, you know, do I, do I stand, do I stand between them? Do I stay in my house? Do I stand among them? You know, these are, you, we need to make that decision now. What, where are we going to stand? Um, you know, figuratively, but physically, Yeah. you know, if, if they if if they start moving in the neighborhood that we um, with two vehicles in my driveway, am I am I willing to say, hey, you know, let's like literally get in my car and let's go somewhere safe and and leave our house and leave our neighbor's house and get them to some to a place of safety, a hotel, a shelter, just a way you know out of harm's way. Um, those are decisions that we need to start making. Um, but I would also say working with, you know, as frustrating as it can be, politics is, is a, the, the long game. It always is. It's never quit. Um, you know, there are cities where stuff, monuments have been moved overnight within a week, within days. Um, but, I, you know, our mayor is aware that, that it's going to take time, that it needs to be done um, in a legal fashion. And he's going to handle it that way, handle it properly, um, and someone's going to be angry no matter what happens, and mm-hmm. so he's going to make sure it's done in the, the proper fashion. But we need to we need to work more with him in the Augusta Commission. Um, and I, you know, again, it's frustrating, and we can continue to encourage. But the best thing we can do is not degrade. You know, to tear down our politicians while demanding they do something is not going to get things done. 
And so we have new commissioners on board who are, are, are fervent about doing what's right for our community. Let's support them. Let's join in with them. If, if they're out, you know, feeding or passing out food, let's join in that. Let's work with them. We're probably going to get a lot more done coming alongside them than just saying, hey, why aren't you doing this fast enough? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I would, you know, in, in the grand scheme of everything, you know, I protest. Uh, and, and again, for our community, um, when it comes to whether it's the monument, whether it's Black Lives Matter, um, you know, it's it's always been peaceful. And, and I, I am proud of that, that, you know, we've maintained that, that order, not for the sake of not being harmed or not for whatever reason. It's just like we know that we can do things in a peaceful manner and we can get things done and we hold to the hope. Um, and so we, I think we need to continue that, but individually, you know, the concept that I believe in is, is micro protesting as well. And it's where you're carrying a sign, you're wearing a t-shirt, um, you're doing something that, that does, it's kind of like getting, kind of getting grain in the, or uh, sand in the gears. It's just enough to, to agitate people. Yeah. You know, when they when they look at your shirt and they're like, you know, well, why do you why do you have something about justice and a fist raised in the air? Um, you know, why, why do you have something that says take down the monument? Why are you posting pictures, uh, you know, on Instagram that, that say this or you know are talking about this? And, it, and it's that constant slamming in the gears that just that keep people on edge. It keeps them from being comfortable. And one person doing that worthless, ineffective. Hmm. But a thousand people doing that across the CSRE, it's just, it's enough. It, it's the in-between for when a thousand of us gather in one place, on all the other days, it's still happening. And I, and I think that's just going to keep people agitated enough, aware enough, that it's like, they, they are not going to give up on these causes. They, they demand, uh, you know, here's a list of, of just, literally just justice. You know, people are asking for justice in this area, and they're not going to stop until it's met. Yeah. And so I, I think that's what it's going to take is um, daily individual efforts, um, you know, which, of course, is also safe in this time of a pandemic. Uh, but we should gather. You know, I'm, I'm all for gathering and continuing to fight. But, um, but yeah, we've, we, we have to... We have to have those conversations, and that's the hard part. Um, we have to have conversations with people we agree with, people we don't, and we have to listen. And at some point, we also have to accept that some people are not going to change their mindset, their point of view, and that we're going to have to walk away from that conversation um, because it's not going to shift. Mm. And that's there's there's a point. There's a point of surrender that's not going to happen with other people. So we can expend our energy yelling at a brick wall, or we can walk away and continue pursuing justice. That that's our option, and that's that's what's going to get us moving forward and continue moving forward as a nation. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I do hope that as we progress, that. Number one, you know, lives aren't lost, um, but, you know, we can't predict that. 
I think that's what broke my heart more than anything was despite the people that were killed, um, many of them were supporting what was going on. So a lot of them didn't. I think some of them say, you know, we, we would die for this. And that's sad. But to but to just lose life on any scale is is very heartbreaking because you can't bring that person back. Um, but like you said, I do hope that we can continue to have conversations, meet each other where we're at. That was the basis. That's that's the platform of this podcast. And I always thank you for that, because I'm the type of person that has all go out of my way to avoid confrontation. But if confrontation brings progression, I had to start appreciating that because the the intent of any interaction is to save the relationship that is the most important thing is to save the relationship and hopefully having a disagreement uh, doesn't kill that in any way but having that conversation downtown a few years ago about the monument initially opened my eyes to the fact that if somebody disagrees with me i need to understand why I need to gather that understanding so we can meet each other in the middle, surrender to the idea of this is what we can do together for each other's benefit. So yeah, it sucks that it what happened, what happened. But like you said, it was it was just the shock of it. Like you knew you weren't surprised, but it's just how it came about. It's just it's riveting. Um, but before we close out, do you have any um, remarks that you would love to leave? Um, I mean, as far you know, with with everything else, I would I would just um, to those definitely to those who um, to those who hold fast to the Confederate flag, um, I would just ask them to reconsider. Um, Stephen Colbert said in his live monologue Wednesday after the events in D.C., he said, you know, this, this thing never shows up. The Confederate flag never shows up at positive events. Uh, he jokes. He's like, it's never at free yoga in the park. <laughs> um, it's where there's violence. It's where there's racism. It's destruction. Mm. And for those that, that wave it in front of their house or put it in the back of their vehicle or wear it on their clothes, I would ask them to, to reconsider because it is, figuratively, it is just a Band-Aid. Um, the wound that these people have been carrying for 100, you know, 156 years, uh, just the, the anger, the frustration, um, this infected wound that spread, you know, throughout society is just covered by the Band-Aid of the Confederate flag, and that's what it represents. Whether they believe it or not, whether they even acknowledge it or not, that's what it represents to so many people in this country. And if you hold fast to it, you know, I would ask you just to, to keep it in your house. Uh, frame it and put it on your wall in the privacy of your home. Uh, but do not subject people to that. Um, just, just as if you could do one thing to move in the right direction, that's what I would say. Uh, put it inside your house at least yeah well um thanks again Aaron for your your input and 
Um, thanks for you, for the information that you were able to provide, especially on the local level. Um, for those of you who do live here um, amongst us in Augusta, um, it's, it's a lot, a lot, a lot is going on that a lot of people aren't aware of. But uh, we do have people like Aaron who who take the time uh, to dissect a situation and, and pay attention to the cognates and see what, what what creates it. So people will understand how it operates and how we can go about um, pursuing change in the in the best way. So, uh, again, Aaron, thank you for your time. And I, I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you for having me, as always. And uh, it's just good to to be part of the conversation. Hey, Yonet. Uh, for those of you who are listening, this is the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories with myself, Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. and uh, James Aaron Snow. Yo, thank you for listening. Tune in next time for the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories.